Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. I wonder if you have the same problem that I have. I'm not talking about falling asleep when you're supposed to take out the trash, but rather not being able to find a working flashlight when you need one. This is a common problem. You know, I have a tote in the garage, so right when I, uh, I need a flashlight, I can go right to it. And the last time that I needed one, there was a power outage. I grabbed the first flashlight, didn't work. Grabbed the next flashlight, didn't work. I opened it up, there was no batteries. Grabbed the third one, opened it up, there was batteries, but it still didn't work, so I did that, that battery thing, you know, where you flip the batteries around a little bit so you can squeeze the last bit of juice out of them, and only lit up to about here. So this past year, for Christmas, I got a flashlight that is so bright, you could see it from Mars. And it's so bright, if you look into it, it's like looking in a flash bulb. And for those of you that are under 40, that's like looking in the light on the back of your iPhone. Um, no, but seriously, it's, you know, we need, we need, flight. We need a bright light to really, I think, to, to help us out when we can't see in the darkness, right? So if you're going outside at night, maybe taking the dog for a walk or taking the trash out, how many of us have tripped over something, tripped up a curb, tripped over a, your kid's toys or something? Flashlight really, really helps out. A good light helps keep us safe in the darkness. But more than lead, needing a light to see in the physical darkness, we need a light in the spiritual darkness, right? We need someone to save us from the darkness of our sin and to lighten the sinful world to help us see right from wrong. So today, we're going to look at the true light of the world. We're going to be discussing Jesus as the one who lightens our lives and rescues us from the darkness. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us to you today. Father, we thank you for your word, which enlightens our lives through your spirit. Father, we just thank you for gathering us here. We thank you for this time. Father, we ask that these words that are just spoken by me just minister to our hearts in some way. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we continue in our study from John chapter 8. And we're picking up from last week's lesson of the woman caught in adultery. So here, I think, in these two chapters here, in chapter 7 and 8, I think we have teaching a bit similar to the Sermon on the Mount in that it is rich with truth and with the awesomeness of Christ. See, the Sermon on the Mount reveals Jesus' wisdom and provides a deeper meaning to some of the basic commandments. For instance, when Jesus talks about murder, it's not just about the act of murder, it's about the emotion behind it. If you hate your brother and your sister, you're guilty of murder. When he talks about prayer, he said it's not just about the act of prayer, it's about personal devotion, time, and prayer with the Lord. But in John 7 and 8 at the Feast of Booths, we see Jesus reveal not so much about what we should do, but about who he is. See, Jesus understood that many that were following him were following him because of what they felt he could do for them physically. But Jesus was here, obviously, for what he could do for us spiritually. We learned that all the way back in John chapter 3. This was his mission from God. Now here, during the feast, Jesus boldly enters the enemy's turf, 
not just on some random Sabbath, but on a time that he knew the temple would be filled with worshipers. That'd be like Jesus coming here on Christmas or Easter. That's how special this holiday was for them. And Jesus' teaching is so rich during this feast that we get three of his most referenced quotes in all of Scripture. Both sacred and secular, because some of these quotes are used in the, in the secular world as well. We studied one last, last week, let him is, that he who is without sin cast the first stone. And this week we have the other two. So let's begin our study in John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. Eugen, can you pull up the presentation, please? Thank you. Um, so before we begin, um, Jesus opens, oh, that's the wrong presentation. That's it. So Jesus begins, he opens, this, he opens this passage with again. So here, Jesus has an audience, and he begins teaching again. So let us read what he has to say uh, as he begins to teach. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to read from here. So we're in John chapter 8, um, verses 12 to 20, we're going to start with. And it has here, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two... two, It is written... In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his time, his hour had not yet come. Remember when I mentioned earlier that we're going to see two of Jesus' most remembered or most referenced quotes. Here we see one of them. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life, the light of life. This statement sets the tone for his entire interaction with the Pharisees. And we're going to see this sort of throughout this passage that we're studying today. Jesus uses the metaphor of the light of life, uh, the light of the world. Um, This really ties within the feast that they are celebrating here in the Feast of Booths. So if you remember from our study last week at the feast, there are these booths that the, uh, that the pilgrims set up, uh, three or four-sided with an opening, and they have a thatched roof across the top, either some sort of lattice or some sort of, some of reeds, something that has some opening. And then as the sun rises, the light enters into their gathering area and serves as a reminder for how God carried them through during their 40 years in the desert. See, Jesus takes that and broadens it. Just like he did on the Sermon on the Mount, he takes this base principle of light and expands it to their and our lives. See, the Pharisees aren't happy with this whole interaction, but they have no real argument based on the merits. They know what he's accomplished. 
They are aware of the miracles, so they try to come back at him a different way. So they try to trap him, or almost trap him, in the law. This says, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony isn't true. The Pharisees have witnessed these, and they're trying to find a way to sort of trap Jesus into admitting he isn't who he claims to be. And they try to use the Mosaic law to do this. But Jesus is ready. Let me get my... Oh, okay, actually, actually, well, let's back up one second here. Thank you for correcting that. So this is, a, this is an image of one of the booths. So you can kind of see how the light is shining up and shining through into the booth. That's what I was referencing before. So let me get ourselves. So I'm the light of darkness. You are bearing witness about yourself. And Jesus is ready. And Jesus responds, well, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And even if I did judge, my judgment is true because I, it is not me alone that judge, but the Father with me as well. See, he answers their challenge. Their challenge is that he is only one witness. Jesus says, well, your laws say that there needs to be two, so I'm going to provide two. Not only is it me, but it's also my Father. This is great. Jesus uses their own trap against them. You wanted two witnesses? I give you two witnesses. Still not getting it, the Pharisees respond, well, where is your Father? I think they knew who Jesus' earthly Father was. So again, they're trying to, to, to goad him into an argument here, and they're probably like, yeah, 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 where is your Father? Jesus again responds, you don't know me. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. See, I think in all of this, Jesus is telling them and telling us that he is the light of the world. Follow me, and there'll be no darkness. And he tells them why. But they aren't listening. See, they're headed down a path into darkness. They aren't even looking for the truth. They just want what they want. They want what they've known already, and they want Jesus to be wrong. And I think what Jesus is experiencing here is not much different from our experiences today, trying to convey the truth to those that have their minds anchored in place. Do you ever try to change someone's mind who was obviously wrong? <laughs> yeah, you heard the things. You know, sometimes the, the discussion ends up, being, ends up with a constant yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, or devolves into name calling, or better yet, they just stomp their feet and walk away. About a year or so ago, I had a second opportunity to share the gospel with the neighbor. A tree had come down in his yard, and I was over there helping him cut it down. I said, well, this is perfect. You know, I'm serving the Lord, and I'm acting out the gospel, so let me talk to him about it. And he had shared with me before that he wasn't really interested in any of these things. So I thought, maybe the last time, maybe I planted a seed. Maybe this is the way to start some sort of conversation. So we start talking to him, and I start sharing, and then he tells me that all that we are is determined by genetics. I'm like, okay. He has a purely scientific view of life. So I, then I said, well, what about choice? He says, well, that's determined by our DNA. So I'm like, okay. What about your choice to have chicken or steak for dinner? You like both equally. Where does your choice come from? Blank. So he just didn't want to hear it. And as there's sort of like that awkward silence, we sort of just casually sort of back up and go into our separate yards. He wasn't too happy with me, but we parted ways and were amicable. Um, the enlightening of our lives doesn't come from worldly wisdom. The enlightening of our lives comes from Jesus Christ. The term being enlightened has become a description of someone who is a bit more educated, has more wisdom, has more common sense than someone else. 
It's particularly used to describe individuals who have gone to East Coast Ivy League schools, um, where their professors have taught them some things that would probably make us cringe. But being enlightened isn't a bad thing. I think some good developments came out of the Enlightenment period in Europe that were extremely helpful for us understanding God's world and God's creation. But if we think about it, we can really be enlightened about anything. Right? Those that have a relationship with Jesus Christ have been enlightened by God's truth. As we've grown in faith, we're enlightened by God's word. The Pharisees that Jesus was talking to were educated, they were informed, and probably some of the most enlightened individuals in Jewish custom and law. But they tried to use it against Jesus. They were trying to trap him in their narrow thinking. Well, where's your second witness? Jesus says, I have one. See, when we get into these types of conversations with people, our goal should just be to point them to the light, right? That's our goal. That is our role as we share the gospel, as we try to share God's word, as we try to share God's truth. We can't save anybody. That's only up to the spirit. As our role is to point them to the light, even if they don't necessarily seem interested in it. So now as we look forward to verses 21 to 30, we see them start to get a little, see them, the Pharisees start to get a little snarky with Jesus. And this happens to us sometimes too, like my neighbor, you know? Can maybe get a little testy. We make a point, we make a point, and sometimes people get a little huffy. So Jesus begins to reveal a bit about his future. He talks about him leaving, he talks about his death, he talks about the proof of his authority, as if he hasn't accomplished proof enough. He's starting to get more. He's starting to give more. And he says, okay, so let's look at it. All right, so let's look at it and let's see what happens. So picking up in verse 21, he says, so he said to them again, so Jesus responding again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to him, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You're of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, well, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have, what I have heard from him. And they did not understand that he'd been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He was saying these things, many believed in Him. And He said to them, it starts out, He said to them again. So I'm thinking, Jesus, okay, if you don't succeed at first, let's try, try again. So Jesus tries another approach but they start to get testy. He says, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna kill himself? But Jesus presses on, making what I think is an argument that's as clear as day. You are from below, and I am from above. You're gonna die in your sins unless you believe who I am. But they respond, who are you? And I imagine it probably wasn't just a scratching their head like, okay, well, who are you? I think they've, he's been pushing and pushing and pushing, and I think they're getting a little testy, but like, you know, who do you think you are? And Jesus responds, when you've lifted me up, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. So Jesus here, when he's talking about lifted up, he's not talking like he's being carried off the football field like he just won the Super Bowl. 
right? He's talking about his impending death and his crucifixion. You want more proof? There it is. Or rather, for them, there it will be. A bit similar to the last question I asked, you ever watched someone deny the truth when it was right in front of them? Now, a couple years ago, I was watching something on, I don't know, Discovery Channel or whatever. It was an expose on the hotel industry, and they had hidden cameras in hotel rooms when the cleaning crew came in only. And so they were, had a, so they were, watching, the cleaning, they were watching the cleaning crew clean, and some of the stuff you saw would make you never want to stay in a hotel room ever again. Um, but they had this one where this one cleaning lady had gone into a dresser drawer, taken a guy's wallet, and put it into her pocket. So they confronted her with it. So they showed her the video of her taking it out of the, the drawer. She said, not me. And they had a picture of her almost looking at the camera, putting it in her pocket. You know what she said? Not me. Then they had a picture in the locker room of her taking the wallet, putting it in her purse in her locker. Wasn't me. You see, Jesus, uh, let me see. Jesus is repeatedly trying to show them the way, to show them the truth, and to show them, in this case, the light. But they didn't want to believe, but the truth is there in front of them the entire time. But he's telling them, at some point, it's going to be too late. He's telling them that once the light has left, there's no getting it back. They may be thinking, well, Jesus hasn't really left. Jesus is alive. He's in heaven. He is the life. Amen. That he is. And anyone that seeks him and finds him will have eternal life. But what we have here is Jesus, talk, Jesus is talking specifically to these men about the light being with them while they are alive. You see, Jesus is saying that if you walk with him in the light on this side of heaven, you will know him. But if you don't and you try to seek him on the other side, it's too late. People as a whole seek a light. They seek a meaning in their lives. For some people, it's family. For others, it's work or career or wealth or gambling or relationships. They seek to find meaning in their lives. Others seek foreign wisdom and philosophies. You see, when we seek the true light of the world, Jesus ends the darkness and gives us the light of life. Sadly, so many are blinded by darkness, unable or unwilling to consider anything else that they just want to focus and live in their enlightened worldview. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you may not realize it, but you are stumbling in the darkness. I encourage you to look to the light. If you want to know a bit more about Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come see me after the service. I'd love to talk to you about it, how Jesus Christ can just lighten your life. See, but following the light isn't just about, okay, let's follow Jesus. Okay, I have this light. Now what do I do? Following the light is about being in the light, which is freedom from the darkness in the true light of Jesus Christ. Earlier, I had mentioned that today's study contains two of Jesus' most popular expressions, expressions, sayings, his most referenced truths. The first one was, I am the light of the world. Now we're going to see the other. Starting in verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offerings of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? 
And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offsprings of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen from my father, and you do not know what you have heard from your father. The question came up in, our, in my grace group, our grace group. It's like, well, who is Jesus talking to here? Because just in the last section, it says there are some that had come, or many had come to believe in him. Now, Jesus is now saying, if. I think Jesus is talking to those that have just come to believe and those that are in marginal belief. You see, John has already told us that some have come to believe in him. And by Jesus beginning this question with if, he's saying, if you are my disciples. I think he's trying to get them to dig deeper than just those things on the surface of what Jesus or what the light can provide. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they start thinking, you know, they're thinking the physical. They're thinking physical freedom, because how do they respond? They say, well, we're offsprings of Abraham, and we're already free. We're not enslaved to anybody. And I wonder if Jesus is just shaking his head, saying, man, you guys just don't get it. Don't we feel like that sometimes when we're trying to convince someone of the truth and they're like, you just want to bang your head. It's like, you know, you feel like you're banging your head against the wall because it's just not going in. Jesus says, I'm not talking about physical confinement. I know you're free. I know you're the offspring of Abraham. Yet you still seek to kill me because my words, my truth has no place in you. Jesus is basically telling them, listen, there's two paths. There's the physical and there's the spiritual. I'm following my father. Come follow my father or you can follow your father. The choice is yours. I mean, Jesus is telling them that they're enslaved, they're trapped in their sin, and he's trying to show them what true freedom looks like. Have you ever seen someone who has had a tremendous burden lifted off their shoulders? At our elder meeting on Tuesday, I was talking to Steve Gross, one of our elders, and I was saying, man, Steve, you look good. Now, I knew his retirement was pending. He had been talking about it. And I said, Steve, you know, when's your retirement? He says, I've been retired for two weeks. I'm like, that's why you look different. You know, just rested, relaxed. Just by the way he was carrying himself, you could see that the burden was just <sighs> released. The same is true with the freedom that Christ gives us from the burden of our sin. I can't count the amount of individuals that I've shared the gospel with that you just see the transformation, the look on their face when they're like, I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not, my feet aren't stuck in the mud. I have freedom to move around, to look. I can see the world through God's eyes. It's just God has given us the freedom to choose left and right, to choose to live in the light or to live in sin. But I think sometimes people take that freedom and they corrupt what it is that Jesus is freeing us from. Well, I'm free in Christ. I can do what I want. That's not really the point. But you know what? They're right. We can do what we want. Let's consider this for a second. There are 2,700 TV channels. And you know what? It's nothing to watch. Right? There's 800 million YouTube videos. And that's just YouTube. That's not including TikTok and Instagram and Twitter or any of those others. There's 1.9 billion websites. How many of us spend hours a day locked in on one of these? Right? We have freedom, but what does it look like? We have freedom. 
What is it? We have used our freedom, I think some, sometimes, to be enslaved to work, stuck in relationships, enslaved to hobbies, to technology, to fill in the blank, whatever it is that we're doing that separates us from God. I have to admit, I'm not immune to this. There's times I sit down, I'm looking at something on my computer or on my phone, two hours later. What have I been doing? What's generated any value? We just have to be mindful of what our commitments are in this world. Are they separating us from God? If it separates us from God, we're enslaved to it. Our freedom in life can dangerously work to separate us from freedom in Christ. We don't need to be enslaved to other gods. We don't, need to be, we don't need to be enslaved to the sins of envy or pride or hate or whatever it is that holds us back from saying, I am free in Christ. So I'm asking you this morning, are you free? That was four. Are you free? Yes. yes, amen. Jesus Christ is the true light of the world. By the authority he has received from God the Father, whose word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths, Jesus' Jesus's light leads the way that we should go. His light is never so far away that we can't find it. Sometimes it's not always the brightest in our lives. Sometimes we're hurting, sometimes we're distracted, sometimes we're suffering. And although it is infinitely bright, sometimes we don't want to let it in. But it is there for us to destroy the darkness in our lives. If you haven't let the true light of your light, if you haven't let the true light into your life, and you pass from this world in darkness into the next, it'll be too late. There's only one way to be in the glory of heaven, and that is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to experience the true light this morning, like I said, come see me, come see Denny, come see Sean. We will tell you what it means and how you can receive it. And finally, let the truth of the true light set you free. Living in lies, living in darkness is no way to live. In fact, it's not living at all. The freedom of the true light is the freedom from sin. In the darkness, we can't see up, we can't see down, we can't see left, and we can't see right. Look at your life. See those corners that remain in the dark, those deep areas that the light doesn't reach. It's not that it can't reach there, it's that you're not letting it in. So open the door, lift up the shade, and let the true light replace the darkness in your lives. There's only one light like that, and that is the sun. God gave his only son to be the one true light of the world. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the one true light, your son Jesus Christ, that brightens the darkness, that pushes out every sinful thing. Father, in our prayer today is that we can find that area of darkness in our hearts, those things that distract us from having that type of relationship with you and with your son, Father, and we pray that we can set aside what is holding back the light and let the light in to enlighten our lives for your Son. Father, and we ask this in the name of your Son, the one true light. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.